What's up, guys, and welcome back to Sensibly Loud Radio. It's your main man, J-Mac, here on this beautiful Wednesday evening here at Sensibly Loud HQ in Dallas, Texas. I am surrounded in the studio right here by B-E-Z and Mountain Carl. What's going on, gentlemen? Hey. hey, what's going on? Good to be back, boys. That's right. Another week and in the trenches. It's been a feels like it's been a long one this time. Sucks. But uh, you know, we're we're getting along here at the office. How are you guys doing? Doing real good. Uh we uh had a little bit of twitch action. What is that called? What do you call when you when you twitch? Are you a twitcher? Is that is that a normal thing to be called when you go on Twitch and you play video games? Or I don't know. I don't know what the official answer is for that. Brandon, but, do you know? Uh, sure. I guess you just call it a twitcher, or maybe you have a condition and you're twitchy. Ooh, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> twitchy. Not bad. Both could be happening there too. That's a good point. Mm. Yeah. No, yeah. we are jumping on. We jumped on our Twitch stream. So sensibly loud. It's the actual name of it out there. So check it out. Mountain Carl and I have been doing a bunch of of uh, talking. We talked about OJ this past week, which was an absolute blast. Yeah, that was super fun. Talked about OJ. Talked about uh, you know what what makes a uh, a any kind of uh, sports player a hero, or what what makes him kind of a uh, an actual uh, like a good person to look up to. A role model. A role model. Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. Thank you. Did I? And do you want me to give you a little bit of follow up, real quick? Because I've been communicating with the scumbag attorney of OJ Simpson. Oh, you have. I have. Yes. Oh, wow. Okay. So, what what is his uh what what is his take? Enlighten us. So, I'll give a little bit of backstory here, real quick, because we haven't talked about it on radio, and I don't think Brandon knows much about this yet. Uh, essentially, there's a new podcast out called Confronting OJ, and the podcast is by Kim Goldman, who was the the sister of the guy that was killed next to Cole Brown by OJ. And so they're really talking to a lot of the attorneys and like they talk to Marsha Clark, they talk all these people that were involved with the case and just talk kind of about like what went wrong and what happened and how the how we kind of got there. And it's interesting coming from the family's point of view. And of course they so the other day they had OJ's lawyer on to talk a little bit about his stance on things which I mean <laughs> What stance can you really have? But that's a whole other conversation. And he took the stance that Kim Goldman, who's doing this podcast, is a piece of shit who's looking for nothing but money and is just nothing but a money grubbing bitch, basically. And like, like literally calling her these things on this. And I, so, I was like, this guy's a fucking asshole. Like immediately, like this guy was basically just slandering these people, saying that they need to just let it go. And it's like the, your your client slaughtered the, her brother. Like I, I mean, I don't really know what you want here. I mean, is that is that so far off base? No, sounds sounds pretty pretty right so far. So what did what did you say to him, and what did he say to you? Yeah, so basically, I kind of chirped at him a little bit and was like, "Look, man, like it's." I, I basically laid out. I was like, "You're you're a coward by going out and basically saying that this these victims are, you know, a bunch of slanderous assholes to your client when he's out there making videos." of himself talking about weird shit on the golf course. Like it goes both ways. Right. And so I kind of laid that out and we kind of bantered back and forth. And it's really weird. His name is uh, Malcolm. And he like <laughs> every tweet that he does, he signs it like, so he'll say like his thought and then sign it with an M at the end of it. Like Malcolm. And I started looking into his Twitter account just a little bit. And he has all these, all these followers quote unquote that follow him, that tweet at him and stuff. And they all, they look like burner accounts and they all finish a tweet with the letter of the name that they have in the profile. That's like a really, really <laughs> shitty mystery that needs to be solved. No, I don't I think mean, it's like, a mystery. I think that those are burner accounts that he's created. He's just, he thinks that everybody's he's smarter than everybody is what happens here. So anyway, so I reached out to this guy and was like, Hey, I want to have you on my show. I want to talk to you. <laughs> I want to confront OJ's lawyer, right? Confronting OJ. That's what we're doing. Sure. I want to confront his lawyer. And this guy, I mean, he's been responding to everybody on Twitter. So I kind of had a feeling he would respond to me. So we went back and forth and I basically told, like he was like, well, what's your stance on this? And I was like, I kind of think you're a scumbag, but like I'm willing to ha give anybody a chance to speak. I want to talk to you. And he didn't really want to engage in that. And he kind of went back and forth and started asking about how many Twitter followers he could get and all this. And I just ended the conversation. 
Microsoft. I'm right. Not playing those the, games. The not so humble brag. I don't want to have him on this show that bad. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, especially if he's going to just be waving his dick all over the place and not actually answer any questions. Yeah, so that kind of led to, that kind of escalated the night we were on the Twitch stream and talking about OJ and all that. So that's kind of where that ended up, but we're not doing it. I'm, I'm not playing games with this guy. Yeah, you were, you were coming in hot, and one of, the, uh, one of the ideas you had after we cooled off, you know, was, uh, was a restaurant concept. Yes. So you were, uh, so, so Brandon, Justin was talking to me on the Twitch stream, and he, uh, he gives me this spiel, right? He goes and he talks about how he wants to have this restaurant where it's called like Nana's or like Grandma's Place or something. And it's where grandmas basically do home. I'm sorry. It, it's a home cooking restaurant. I, I was like, that's kind of, you know, everybody does home cooking. He says, no, I want actual grandmas to do the home cooking, like only grandmas. So <laughs> you've got like, the Southern grandma doing like the cornbread stuffing and you've got like, yeah, I, I don't know, but it, you've anyway, got all like, types of grandmas. You've got an Italian grandma. You've got, you know, a black grandma. You've got everybody. You've got, you can get any kind of food you want because everybody knows that grandmas make the best food. Is that right or wrong? No, I mean, I, I'm with you on the concept, but what I was getting at was after you gave me like a 30 minute hard spiel what came out of your mouth was, you know what the biggest problem with this restaurant is the turnover. <laughs> and I said, I said, motherfucker, did you just give me 30 minute pitch about a restaurant so that you can make a, you know, you can drop a joke about dead grandmas. Like, you know, that's your punchline right now. <laughs> yep. He would do it. It's so funny that you think that I would do that. I mean, I, I get why I a hundred percent get it. But it's just I, I was I was sitting there like in silence. I was just like, is this really happening right now? <laughs> I mean, I believe you that if you say it was unintentional, but that was I'm sorry. That was Well, fantastic. I thought of it because I knew it would be funny, but I did, wasn't like setting the whole thing up for that. Okay. That's fair enough. I now, was I was really I was I was holding on. I was just kind of like I, I cannot believe that just happened. Like you know, was, no ageism here. No, no. We were we were actually I mean, hell, of course not. I mean, but, you know who would set something like that up to the max would be Ben Baseball. Now, that's something he would do. He can do the long setup without problems. He was telling some story on the outfielder the other day about how he inadvertently blew up a group date. or not, uh, That wasn't it. It was like he inadvertently came up on a date, and it, the date went really terribly. And he def like his addition to the date didn't really help. I, I, something like that. I'm not really sure. We'll have to get him to talk about it in Colorado. But... We were talking about that, and he told this like long ass story, and I was like, "Is he setting me up?" Just like you thought I was doing to you with the grandma's, you know, right. restaurant thing. I literally thought he was doing the same thing, and I told him that on the show. I was like, "I thought you were doing the same thing to me right now." <laughs> <laughs> so it's he's definitely the type that would do that. Oh yeah, no, I mean, just from listening to the outfielder, I get that impression. So, is it a bad idea this grandma's restaurant thing? The grandma's restaurant, I, um, other than like the very real problem that you've already addressed facetiously, I would say that uh, we've I, got a good idea. I mean, like it would have to be a very like, you know, conceptual thing, right? Like you'd have to have kind of like, you know, how people do like the farm to table kind of thing. This would be like grandma's very specific menu that she creates like the day of that kind of deal. Yeah. So, And yeah. like if you think about it, like you've got to have a rigorous interview process. You can't just let any old grandma in. Like my grandma was a great cook, but I know that not all grandmas are. And I, I mean, I think if you like, if you're the grandma and you show up to the, the interview without food, you're automatically out. Sure. I mean, and I think that's, that's fair because they need to be handing out samples to you immediately. Right. I don't uh, even, I don't even want credit for this idea. I just want this idea to happen. Okay. Yeah, I get that. Um, you, during the screening process, do we care about like old crazy racism? Oh yeah, probably yeah, so. Probably probably don't want to bring that into the mix, so we should probably we screen that to, out. Yeah, don't want to deter the customers, but you know, if it's like a you're talking like Southern cooking type thing, you know, I I feel like there should be more of that. Uh, yeah, you know, especially here, there's so much so many Tex-Mex restaurants oh. and everything. It's like the only Southern cooking type of restaurants I can think of are like you know your usual but uh, as long as the recipes get handed down then hey you don't yeah. have to worry about see, the turn 
Yeah, see, that's, that's a good point. That's a great point. But like the other thing is you got to have a minimum age too here, right? Or is it, it's not an age thing necessarily. It can't be. You just have. No, I think it, the basic requirement is you have to be a grandmother. Yeah, I mean, other uh, you know, otherwise, I think you probably run afoul of the of the law as well. But the uh, yeah, I definitely am, am seeing the benefit of having the grandmother's only rule. So if I've said it before, I've said it a million times. If Hooters can do it, we can do it. I, <laughs> oh boy. Just say that's, that's what you that's what you want to say. Uh, oh no, I'm just kidding. No, actually not. But I'm just saying no, I think not at all. I think yeah. that you know it, they need to be a grandmother though. Like I think that's I mean it's on the sign. It's a basic requirement, right? Yeah, I mean it, it's a it's an entire concept, uh, and and uh, obviously you need their children and their children's children to actually taste test the food to make sure it doesn't suck beforehand. So I'm rethinking this racism thing actually because. <laughs> The thing is, <laughs> it was circle back. Okay, good. <laughs> the more that I think about it, because the thing is, you could just keep them in the back of the house. Mm. All, have, all the crazy racist grandmas. Yeah, we'll just keep them away from the customers and they can just sort it out on their own. I mean, you'd have to have some sort of peacekeeper back there to make sure everybody gets along. See, so I also had an idea for like a, a service that brings you bananas and you call it like bonanas and like it's maybe nanas that bring it. Like that's kind of an offshoot idea of the business. You know? Or perhaps a man named Bo. Yeah, there you go. Something like I just, that. I got, I got nothing. Yeah. I, I, this is an entire foreign concept to me. Yeah. Well, is, we'll it frozen, is it Yeah. Frozen bananas or just any kind of bananas? You could do that. Any type of bananas. All right. Well, thanks for opening it up for me, man. Yeah. We'll, we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll rip on this some more, I think. <laughs> Appreciate that. That was a, that was a, seemed like a real olive branch. No, it's okay. So. You're good. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, we kind of talked about it a few minutes ago, but we've got like, how many days till Colorado? Eight, seven days now? We leave a week from today. Tomorrow. That's right. Yeah. I know. Almost can't wait, man. It's going to be a blast. We're going to be doing tons of content there. We're going to be doing some brewery reviews. We're going to be doing, uh, we're going to go, I think we're going to go, I know we're going to the Rockies game on Saturday night and I'm, we're going to try to go on Friday night as well. We're going to be sitting out in the bleacher seats out in the rock pile is what it's called out in the very back. Worst seats in the house of what I'm told. I say, that sounds real comfortable. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be great. And I think, you know, we're, we may even try to make a cup snake. I don't know. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. And for those who don't know what a cup snake is, it's nothing sexual. So. <laughs> it's a little sexual. Look, look into it. <laughs> is it? Okay, that's fine. Only Fair if enough. you let it be. Only if you yeah. let it be. Only if you let it be is right. Mm. Yeah, so we'll be sitting on a rock pile. God, that sounds great for my back. Yeah. And I think we're going to try to make a trip maybe to a special location and record an episode of this show. That'd be uh, pretty kind, cool. Kind of Denver specific. I think we should tease that out there. So we've got yep. we've got a lot of things on the docket while we're there. And right. also we've got some guests and stuff coming and some lots of interviews. I think we'll do lots of live streaming and stuff like that while we hash out the big issues like we tend to do. Uh, you know, like Dennis. Yeah, exactly. So it'll, it'll be good. Uh, I'm very excited. This will be the first like big company trip. It will. It will. It's going to be a lot of fun. I think uh, having everybody in the same creative space is going to be uh, a real, a real get. So agreed. Yeah, and the inspiration and feng shui of that space. Oh boy, the interview areas of that house are going to be incredible. I saw the pictures of this place yesterday, and they're. It's going to be wild. I'm excited. You can interview someone in the bathroom and look good. We could all interview with a different microphone in the bathroom if we wanted to. There's so many bathrooms in this place. That is true. But we'll. I don't want to talk about that too much because I think we'll kind of, I think we'll do some video and walk around and show everybody the house and, you know, all that kind of thing. Right. Uh, you know, do a little before and after kind of thing because God only knows. You know, we'll, we'll figure it out. So people will get to see the weirdness, I think, is the, the bottom line. I think Ben is wanting to do the whole home run derby with fruit contest so we're gonna have to figure out where we can go get a baseball bat uh, i was gonna say as far as the uh the fruit's concerned uh did we decide on a, a fruit cheaper than peaches to get in denver <laughs> yes yeah, sam's not gonna fly him in from georgia i don't think no i don't think that's a good move although you did recommend him buying a seat on his flight yes that was to, uh, an ideal solution peaches. yeah so seems uh seems good for sure well more fun stuff to come with that. Can't wait. And um, we've been talking a lot about like different fun experiences we've had lately and stuff like that. And Brandon, you actually 
had one of the cooler experiences I've talked or I've heard about in a while. This concert you went to last weekend was absolutely incredible. You want to talk about it a little bit? Yeah. So a friend of mine kind of surprised me end of last week and said, hey, uh, I might have an opportunity to get a VIP pass uh, to go see Alice in Chains and Korn. Uh, they were coming in concert Sunday evening uh, in Dallas over at the Dos Equis Pavilion. And it was like, you know, do you want to go? I'm like, sure. I never pass up free. And especially uh, I ended up finding out that, oh, and we might have the potential of sitting FOH, which means front of house, which means sitting in the sound booth. And uh, so I immediately was like, oh, shit. Uh, I nerded out immediately and, you know, it's like, yeah, let me know if that happens. And sure enough, it happened. Um, took a little bit to get in, uh, getting up to the will call and the artist will call. Uh, there was a little bit of a uh, confusion there, but we ended up getting in right as, uh, Allison chains took stage. I think we only missed maybe one or two songs, but excellent set. Jerry control, um, amazing on vocals. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was really amazing. Corn took the second set and that's when we ended up, uh, sitting in the sound booth. Uh, was really cool because I, I thought that, you know, my friend just kind of knew someone who maybe worked in there and, and maybe it was like the assistant. No, they knew the main sound guy running the mix. So, you know, he's kind of like wave security, like, no, 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 they're cool. Come on in. And so we got to stand like behind him as he was doing it. And I'm just looking at the board, just like, oh man, I was just fascinated because everything had, had its own led description of what it was. There was no guesswork. Uh, and then I also saw, you know, the guy that was running the lights and what he was doing and how they work in tandem and they were just having fun. But yeah, it was great. Towards the end of the, the show, though, there was an uh, interesting, <laughs> interesting thing that happened. So we were, we were about to leave and my friend and I were kind of trying to have a game plan in terms of, you know, hey, let's go get a drink afterwards somewhere. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this lady walks up and bumps both of us out of the way, like splits us in, you know, in, in between and starts moving along. And I see this like large woman walk through us with a wooden cane that looks like it's made out of some, I don't know, some uh, petrified wood. <laughs> and petrified wood? Through. Yeah. She's just walking through and she's like, she's like, I got to get home. You got to get out of the way. I got to get home and just keeps going and walking. She's like, I, I must get home. And we're just like, what in the, the hell? hell? And the so she hadn't looked like she had washed her hair in a very long time. And uh, the more I started looking at her, I'm like, she kind of looks like she's a person of the hobbits. And uh, I was like, <laughs> oh. I, I said, oh, she's she's in a hurry to get back to uh, the Shire. The to, Shire, to yeah. Hobbits, yeah. So I don't know if she ever made a home, but that was uh, pretty interesting. But of course, you have your your typical weirdos that show up at some of those shows, and so that's always good for people watching. Uh, but for the most part, everybody was normal. You had a few people, you know, get carried off in stretchers and taken to the hospital because they just can't uh, can't get enough Molly, I guess. But can't handle yeah, corn. <laughs> yeah, it was one of the uh, the cooler uh, concert experiences I had. Um, was definitely humid and very warm that night, but uh, man, uh, I hope I get to do it again. And uh, I ended up uh, telling the guy that was doing the the sound mix about our show and everything. And he's like, "Oh man, you know, we travel all the time. I'm trying to look for great podcasts." And so, I don't know. Hopefully, uh, our uh, paths will cross again, and you know, yeah. I'd like to get him on for an interview. So we'll see what happens. We would love that. That'd be incredible. I actually just tweeted out the pictures that you sent from the show uh, out of the the Twitter account. So everybody go and check it out. The soundboard is really well illustrated and the, the lights of the actual show are awesome too. So, so. how much do we think a uh, Uber is from middle earth? Hmm. Like where are we at on that? <sighs> Gotta be pricey, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it can't be cheap. So I think uh, that or like she takes the light rail, you know, all the way to middle earth. So yeah. I like it. It's it's uh, so okay. So Brandon, what was uh, what was corn like? (laughs) So corn was you know I'm I'm a bigger fan of Allison Chains. I've always wanted to see him live, and yeah, they didn't disappoint. Corn, you know, there was about like a 40 minute intermission in between. So once they took stage, 
you know, they got a little bit more of the, the light show and everything and more atmospheric. And uh, seeing Jonathan Davis come out was pretty interesting. You could tell he's got a little bit of a dad bod going on, but hey, who doesn't, you know? Didn't he uh, always? Yeah, but, you know, he's a little bit more pronounced, uh, okay. I would say now, uh, just like the rest of us, right? Sure, so sure. compared sure. to our 20s. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, about midway through the set uh, before he came out and did one of the, the major hits, uh, he came out and had changed into a black kilt, walked out on stage with a bagpipe, and did the intro to one of his more famous songs. Hell yeah. And, uh, that rocks. But he he rocked out. Uh, that was probably one of the the busiest parking lots I've been to in a long time at that venue, and I've been to many concerts there. And uh, he was very thankful of the fans that showed out. And yeah, uh, you could tell the whole band was into it, which it's got to be brutal because I think it was like the night before, two nights before they were in the woodlands. So you can imagine the humidity there. Oh yeah. But, uh, oh wow. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I've always loved Corn. Actually, they've like I think the problem with their image i guess is that they tried to be so weird and it kind of went with their like tone of music because brandon and i've talked a lot about that in earlier episodes of the show about like specific tones and keys that we like in music like i'm a very big melodic e minor guy like i love those egyptian sounds and stuff like that in a very bassy way on a guitar i mean it's like cranking it down two or three steps and really really getting the meat of it and um so, like, everybody has those preferred tones and stuff like that. And theirs just sure. always happened to be, like, a really Halloween-y, weird... I mean, like, Freak on a Leash was a weird song. It was a great song, though. Like, For sure. And all their albums, I thought, were really good. You just kind of have to look past the weirdness of it. And it's hard to I do mean, that. Well, and same could be said about, like... Uh, and it's around the same... Well, maybe a little bit around the same time. I didn't even know I looked them up that Corn's been around since 93. Yeah, dude, um, they've been around a long time. Uh, yeah. But kind of, you know, along the same lines of like System of a Down, right? You right. know, they have a lot of songs that are in a very weird tuning. And, uh, you know, the lead singer is a very weird way of doing, you know, so that there was a lot of really interesting music that came out of the 90s and early 2000s, such as that. I really like that kind of feel to it, though. They came out around the time Limp Biscuit did. And that kind of, they like weirdly set themselves apart, but they were like balls deep in the middle of like the rap metal thing. And so. That's, you know, that was a weird time in music to begin with. So it's almost like they never really, it's like they gained the notoriety they deserve, but maybe not even as much as they should have, I feel like. The rap metal thing is actually uh, one of the first concerts that I dove into when I did, uh, well, I was like in high school, 2003, right? We did uh, Metallica, Hell but yeah. then their support stuff at, uh, it was Summer Sanitarium, and their support bands were Limp Bizkit, Linkin Park, Deftones and Mudvayne. What year was that? 2003. Okay, that was like right when I moved here. I remember that happening. It was at Texas Stadium, right? It was. It yeah. was at Texas Stadium. Yeah, the oven. So uh, <laughs> The oven. Is that what it was nicknamed? I, I, it was just, honest to God, like if you weren't getting cooked in there. Uh, <laughs> so it was just uh, an oven. <laughs> it was. No, like I, I remember it, it was one of those places where people would talk about it like it was uh, hallowed ground, right? It's where the Cowboys played. And then you go to a game there and you're like, this place is fucking miserable. Yeah. Like you've it got, it was a dump. It was a dump. You've got like the sun coming straight through on, you know, like into the field, like cooking everything. You got no wind to get, you know, disperse that heat. So I remember I, I've never, I think I sweat through my t-shirt in about five seconds. Like I've never like been that hot in a concert in my entire life. And like, you know, juxtapose that with like, muse like two years later and like it was an air-conditioned venue like much smaller and everything but yeah no uh texas stadium was uh, iconic but also am fine that it's not around anymore i went to it when i was really little i barely remember it to be honest with you it snowed though so it was like probably like december time when i right. went and so i don't really remember it being as miserable i just remember it i mean i it wasn't really even a dump at the time. I mean, this must have been like early 90s still. I mean, they were good. I wouldn't have been here unless they were good at that time. So, like, I, I, my dad wouldn't have taken me here. So, I right. can't imagine that that wasn't why. Yeah. No, I mean, fall time and winter time over Texas Stadium, not that bad. Um, 
the, like the snow, that's pretty cool. You know, yeah. you get to see it on the field and everything. It's open to the elements, but the, uh, yeah, the, the heat, dude, uh, that, that place, uh, lights up like a fire. For sure. So did, um, yeah. So I think we got off, off the rails a little bit, but yeah, the rap metal thing was a weird, weird time in, in music and everything. And so I, that's awesome that they still kind of hold up as far as music goes. I like that. Um, oh, yeah. Sounds Absolutely. like an awesome experience. What would you say your favorite concert you've been to, Brandon? Oh, man. Um, there, there's so many for different reasons, but uh, my favorite concert. I mean, I, I could easily name some Nine Inch Nails ones, like the first one I went to and met Trent Reznor at it um, in 05. But yep. to be honest, this this last most recent Dave Matthews Band concert I went to just really was something special in terms of the set list. They played a lot of rare stuff, but there was a really interesting moment about like five songs in where all of a sudden it stormed really, really heavily outside. And again, it was at Dos Equis Pavilion. So I was in the covered uh, spot. And, uh, you know, it, it was just pouring down rain on people on the lawn. And at that point, the band was going to play something different that was on their set list. And they were, they decided to call an audible. And so they played this song called uh, JTR, which stands for John the Revelator. And the song, uh, basically, the chorus goes, uh, you know, rain down on me. And so when that song started... Every, you just hear this roar of people because they were just like, that's awesome. They're playing yeah. one of the rarest songs and they pulled it out of their, their belt uh, for this moment. And it just like, it was just electric. They had one in the chamber. Yep. That's awesome. That's an impressive feat to be able to do. Mm-hmm. I would say mine is probably tied. I saw my very first concert I ever saw was Jackson Brown. Incredible. Nice. Incredible. Late for the Sky is one of my favorite albums of all time. We've talked about that. So he was incredible. Aside from that, I saw Blink-182 in Green Day whenever they were, like, on the hot, but like, on the come up, like, Enema of the State type days. And, like, b- right. this is, like, before American Idiot type Green Day, like, when Green Day was still good. Like, Nimrod and all that, those albums and Dookie and all those before that. So, like, that was really awesome. But I would say probably one of my favorite concerts I've ever been to was I saw Breaking Benjamin and Evans Blue one time together. And I mean, from start to finish, it was the most energy I've ever seen in like a small rock concert type venue. I mean, I walked out of there with my mind absolutely blown. I've never seen energy put into a show like that one before. That's awesome. Do you have any favorites, Carl? Yeah, I think um, I think that despite getting like completely destroyed by the heat, that uh, even though I've gone to a few concerts after that, the, uh, the summer sanitarium sticks out to me is probably one of the better ones, not necessarily because of the music and everything, but just the energy was so high. Like it was, uh, it was really awesome. Everybody, everybody all over the entire stadium was just losing their shit every single second of that entire performance. So, and I, and at the time I was a huge Metallica fan. So, you know, it was, uh, it was a big deal for me to kind of, you know, throw, throw my high school money into that. So it was Definitely. it was a, it was a memorable experience. I'll go ahead and say that was probably my favorite one, even if it wasn't the highest quality music. That's fair. I mean, the lineup is electric. That must have yeah. been like early Lincoln Park too, right? Like their first album, Hybrid Theory, kind of thing. Yeah, it was only the uh, the first. There was Hybrid Theory, and then there was Meteora. Okay, and yeah. so Meteora, I think, was coming out right then. Okay, uh, I could I could be wrong, but I think that was the. The main thing is they were a lot of their stuff they were doing, they were teasing kind of the next album and everything. So, okay. Nice. Yeah, it was good. It was good, good stuff. What an experience. I've been yeah. to a couple warp tours and stuff like that too. That's always a blast. It's so weird. Is warp tour even still a thing? I, think, I don't even know. Well, okay. So maybe not warp tour, maybe like edge fest. Oh man. A deal. Yeah. Even though the edge isn't a station in Dallas anymore, which is really weird. Yeah, not really sure if they even do that anymore. So, well, they do. They they are keeping that. I remember that being a staple point of them closing the station. Okay, cool. Oh, what else we got on the list, boys? Uh, a lot of movie news this week. It feels like a lot of trailers and stuff like that. Brandon, so many trailers. Yeah, Brandon, what was the thing that stuck out to you the most here? 
Uh, well, I mean, before we get into the trailers, uh, we had some sad news that came out today. Uh, actor Rutger Howard, uh, who's famously known as Roy Betty from uh, Blade Runner 1982, uh, passed away at the age of 75. Uh, he actually passed away July 19th, and the family did not release the information or the news until now. Interesting. Uh, today was the funeral, so good on them for taking a moment to kind of, you know, just keep it to themselves and, you know, really absorb it and, and kind of just, you know, uh, just take it in, you know. Um, but yeah, uh, amazing actor. Like I said, most notably known from like Blade Runner. He was in Batman Begins. Uh, he's in so many different films um, and interesting fact in, in Blade Runner at the end uh, when the character is dying on the roof and he talks about tears in the rain, Rutger Hauer actually improvised that. It wasn't even in the script. Oh, sweet. Wow. That. And that that iconic scene at the end is just what really, really just kind of like sends off, you know, his acting career and, and that film and everything. So, oh, yeah. yeah huge huge antagonist in that film uh little little known uh hobo with the shotgun probably (laughs) uh probably his his role breakout later in life um that's in america though he's been doing a lot of foreign stuff and uh he never really went away but uh he yeah he's he's a great actor that was that was a lot of fun watching him and uh yeah my first taste of blade runner back in the day so back in the day it's a classic it is huge we'll, fan. We'll have to consider doing a live watch of that movie at some point. It's so good. It is. It is very good. I think. Uh, what do you guys think about the sequel? Mm. I I liked it a lot. Um, I thought it was really well done. I don't really care if another one isn't made. I kind of feel like you don't really need to continue to franchise it. But uh, Vinny Delanueve, who uh, who basically directed that one, uh, oh man, um, I thought it was really well done. It yeah. felt a little bit splashy for me at times, just kind of like all like a little bit overdone. I don't know. It just kind of had that feeling to it. Maybe I was just expecting a lot. I don't know. It, that's always a weird thing because, I mean, the first one is just such classic history. Yeah, there, there's a, a very much a feel and a tone to the first one, and it is not necessarily it's very similar but different mm-hmm. than the second one. And uh you know, when everybody asked me, like, hey, man, was the second Blade Runner actually good? Like, was it something that, that I would enjoy? Uh, my go-to is always to tell them that, you know, hey, or ask them, do, do you like the first Blade Runner? And if they say no, then the answer is obviously no, right? Because mm-hmm. tonally, it's very similar, like pacing right. and everything. Uh, there's there's plenty borrowed from the overarching ideas and everything from the first one. But uh, but they make it their own movie. Uh, they do. I think they do a very good job. As someone who loved the original Blade Runner, uh, I really did enjoy the sequel, and uh, and I think that's the that's the key. Is that if you're looking at this, and you've never seen the sequel. Did you like the first one? And uh, and if the answer is yes, then I think it's worth uh, some seat time. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, and it's interesting you bring that up. I mean, because that's kind of the thing now. There's a lot of rehashings or reboots or continuations of films that took place 20 30 years ago uh but speaking of that you know there was a lot that happened over the weekend uh last week into this week with comic-con a lot of trailers and stuff dropped uh and so speaking of that uh what'd you guys think of top gun maverick in mm, i'm gonna see it but begrudgingly i would say i don't like tom cruise it's a real problem yeah, that will that will definitely hamper your enjoyment of Top Gun, yeah. which is basically a giant Tom Cruise vehicle. But uh, but yeah, no, I'm very in on this. Um, I uh, it, it's kind of it's kind of goofy. I mean, people are picking it apart like he would have to be forced into retirement by now, that kind of thing, you know. But I mean, <laughs> you have to d- suspend some belief, right? I mean, like or disbelief, I should say. Well, but that that scene where he's taken off of the aircraft carrier, I found out that's him flying that plane. No one else is in that plane. Yeah, yeah, and, and like the angle really definitely gives that away. Like it's it's freaking sweet. Like this this guy has driven race cars. He's trained in fighting. He's like done you know all kinds of stunts. Obviously, flying planes and everything. So uh, he's he's uh, as far as an action star goes, he's definitely has his hands in everything. He's trying and, to find uh, Zenu, you know. Yeah, lots of things. yeah. Which man, I, I don't give a fuck about that. If he's a hundred percent committed to the film, 
And it loses me to where I'm like, okay, I believe he's Pete Mitchell. I'm, I believe he's Ethan Hunt and he's doing all these things. I can kind of check that at the door, just like I can check, uh, you know, listening to, uh, you know, a couple of musicians who might be, you know, have a totally different perspective on life, you know, and, but they have great music, you know? No, that's fair. I get it. I just, I'm, I don't feel that way about him for some reason. I just can't put that past me. Yeah. I think, uh, they're, the, the film boycott idea, you know, like the entertainment boycott, that kind of thing. Like if you don't agree with someone is, is your prerogative, but you're, you're going to make yourself miss out on talent if you do that. And I think sure. that as long as you understand that trade-off and, and you're willing to give up on that, then, uh, that's, that's on you. But uh, no, but that, I said I'll see it though. begrudgingly, though. So, oh no, I'm not talking directly at you. Though. Oh yeah, 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 for sure. Just in general, right? Yeah. But uh, but yeah, it's uh, that that whole trailer uh was high octane, man. I mean, that's the only way I can say that is uh, it it definitely had everything in a trailer that you would want from a Top Gun sequel, and uh, and of course it had the F-14 at the end of it. So, uh, the original star of, uh, Top Gun. So pretty, pretty sweet that they kind of incorporated that in there. I wonder if they're going to be flying against F-14s, if they're going to be flying F-14s. I don't know how they're going to work that into the script, but, or maybe they just threw it in there just to get people excited and they'll just cut it the last minute. But, uh, a high, a high likelihood of that, I would say. Yeah. Well, uh, the trailer did look good though. Yeah, it was a, it was a well orchestrated trailer, I think. So, one of the ones I'm most excited about is the Jay and Silent Bob reboot trailer. Hell yeah, yeah that that looks like it's exactly the movie that it needs to be. It always is though, because it's it's somewhat about the them and the story, but it's also the surrounding cast that they managed to come up with every time and how they managed to weave all that together. Right. Uh, what is the idea that Jay comes back and he finds out that he has like kind of like this illegitimate child kind of thing. Yes. And then they, they go drive around and then they find out that he's uh, their, their original uh, movie that they made in the first Jay and Silent Bob strike back are, is getting rebooted. And so they go off to try to stop it. Is that generally the, the idea? Yeah, that's, that's the idea. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's going to be so many stars in this, um, you know, obviously uh, Ben Affleck, Matt Damon are showing up, but I even saw like bits and pieces. I mean, you kind of stop some of it cause it's just, it's just flashing all these different scenes and uh, looked like Val Kilmer was in it and he's taken off. what looks like a Batman mask <laughs> and all this stuff. And I'm just like, Oh my God, this looks great. But the illegitimate child is actually played by uh, Kevin Smith's daughter, uh, Harley Quinn Smith. Oh, uh, really? It was pretty cool. That's awesome. I think Kevin yeah. Smith is hilarious. Oh, me too. Oh yeah. No, uh he's if nothing else he's an idea mill, right? I mean like he's just like full of creativity. So it's I, always, uh, I definitely respect him for that. It's always fucking epic whenever he just blows up like he never says a word but then blows up every now and then at him and just screams and then they just walk off. That's it. <laughs> he does that so well. Yeah. Absolutely no, it's, incredible! It's gonna be awesome. I'm uh I'm definitely looking forward to that. We got uh we got some uh, some horror coming up too. Yep. With it, so I I actually uh I I watched the original TV one, but I never uh was it uh Curry um what was his name that played the original uh, it the yeah I know who you're talking you know, yeah about. I can't think of his his name is either. Yeah, but uh, yeah, he was big time at the time for character acting, and uh, and uh, you know I know they've done a pretty incredible job with the remake of it. So I mean, have you guys seen it? Have you seen the original? Have you seen the new one? Oh yeah, I've seen both. Okay, where where are we at on this? Is it a faithful adaptation of the book? Is it the film is more of a faithful adaptation to the book? However, there's some things that that they weren't really covered but uh from what i've heard about this uh, it chapter two is that uh it's going to cover a lot of that stuff that was kind of like glossed over um but 
the casting alone for looking at this trailer. I mean, obviously we had that trailer come out a little while ago with the the crazy old lady, which you find out is Pennywise in disguise, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this one is a little bit more in depth detail, and it you know it starts off where uh, I can't remember the name of the character, but the uh, you know the African American kid grows up. And he never left, so he's able to remember everything. And the story goes that uh, if you leave, you know, the if you leave uh, Derry, uh, you you forget everything. You forget Pennywise. You forget all this stuff. And so they ended up coming back. And I'm not sure exactly if they're gonna tie it to the book or have their own sort of interpretation. But the casting alone looks pretty amazing compared to like what the child actors look like to now. Mm-hmm. You know, Bill Hader's in it. I mean, just a all-star cast. So I'm really looking forward to this. Carl, it's one of those things where it just does nothing. It's like, because you're always expecting the jump out factor, right? But it's not even as much that that's scary about this movie as it is. It's just the bone chilling effect where the hair stands up on the back of your neck. You're like, ugh. You know, oh, it's yeah. not gory or anything like that. I mean, it is, but it isn't, right? Like, it's it's not oh, yeah. meant to be gore. It's meant to just like, give a really uneasy creepy feeling it nails it it really does. i saw i saw the trailer and it was a james mcavoy who's like running through a fun house and everything he starts banging on the glass and i was like this is like the most stephen king shit like it it looked awesome i am i mean like i, I it makes me want to go back and watch the first one and go watch the second one so it's uh, it just you know i like the yeah, and I'm not a huge like gore fest kind of guy, but the gut wrenching tension kind of thing, like the thriller aspect of everything, I'm very in on. I was uh, as a huge fan, uh, like John Carpenter's The Thing, um, and that kind of like slow burn tension that you know, yeah, there were some jump scares, but really the whole entire time, the entire idea of the movie was that it never lit up, so it was uh. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I definitely could see myself going to go see this. So if we if we get a group together, that would be that would be solid. Oh, we will. That's going to be a hell of a of a time for movies. I think. Oh, absolutely. I'm excited so though. I, I I was like dying to go see this. Claire would even go see it with me. I had to get my mom <laughs> to go with me. Oh yeah, I I won't have anybody. I'll be there like alone in the theater, crying into my popcorn. So, you know, <laughs> it's so good though. Yeah, it's absolutely worth great. it. I'm We're going to have to watch the first one before we go see the second one again. Yeah. Yeah. I would definitely enjoy that. Um, and now I just want to go buy the thing on Blu-ray because damn. Worth it. Worth it. I wouldn't drag the girlfriend into it if if she's not into that kind of thing. I think I think I might if she makes me watch like another Harry Potter movie or something. <laughs> okay. Like just be like. It's a trade-off. Like, look what I found. Like yeah, You it, built some credit. Think you'll love this yeah you, that's the thing is you have to build your credit up enough so that you can scuttle it in uh in one very cruel joke yeah you can just bring pennywise into the thing that's terrifying wow. yeah yeah she'll love that <laughs> uh, so to recap uh top gun maverick comes out next year jay and Silent bob i think comes out later this year like november or something uh and then it chapter two comes out uh september 19th i believe hell yeah i'm in september so that's not too far away not at all. Be here before you know it. We're almost out of July, boys. That's yeah. right. And uh, the uh, actor I was thinking of before was Tim Curry. Tim Curry. Right. Also a great role in Home Alone 2. He played the asshole uh, front the, desk guy. Yeah, the bellhop, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah, he, he did a lot of character acting. Tim Curry was, uh, was kind of everywhere at the time. And speaking of Tom Cruise, he was in uh, Legend uh mm-hmm. back in back in the day he played the devil or or that character was but uh yeah no he god he he was in a lot of stuff uh clue the movie mm-hmm. uh rocky horror picture picture show um but yeah it's who just, was he in clue the movie um god now you're gonna catch me lying this is where uh i'm pretty no i remember that i just i i'm having a hard time remembering uh like what role he played no, I know. I'm I'm trying to think of uh, who that was. If that was like, oh god, film. he was in Congo too. Hell yeah! Yep. Of course he was. Congo was a great movie. Didn't that have a uh, Bruce Campbell in it as well? Yes, I believe so. I'll check on that while you guys are checking on this. This is bad uh, radio. Tim Curry played yeah. Wadsworth. 
Oh, that's right. Yes. That is correct. Yeah, he's been in a whole lot of things. He was in Scooby-Doo and the Goblin King. That's great news. Naturally. <laughs> no, that, that guy is, uh, I mean, on top of his character acting, he did a lot of voice acting as well. So that does not surprise me in the least. No, for sure. Well, speaking of great actors, uh, you know, also during Comic-Con, um, you know, Marvel did their whole shebang over in Hall H and announced the next phase. I think it's phase five or phase four. I think we're at phase four now. Phase four, yeah, of what's to come. And so, you know, we got a few movies on the docket. Uh, and the one that's supposed to come out, I believe in, I don't know if it's four or five. Uh, I heard it might be the next phase, but it's uh, uh, Blade. And so Marashala Ali... Uh, which great actor from True Detective and uh, you know everything else he's been in uh, walked out on stage to make an announcement and said that he's going to be portraying Blade. Uh, the best part about this whole thing is I found out how he ended up, uh, how that role came to be for him, and he actually campaigned and went to Kevin Feige, who is the mastermind of all this Marvel stuff. It was like I want to play Blade, and made his case. And they were just like, you got it. Let's let's make it. Okay. So, you know, yeah. even Wesley Snipes came out on Twitter and congratulated him. But man, amazing actor. And hopefully they do it rated R and do it justice. But, uh, you know, I'm glad they're going to get back to some of the edgier type characters again. Yeah, uh, absolutely. When you look at the uh, the list of superhero movies, there were there was kind of a dabbling here and there back in the 90s and everything. But I think really the movie that kicked everything off was Wesley Snipes blade. Um, I mean, as far as big, well, bigger budget, that wasn't a big budget, but uh, yeah, bigger budget uh, movies that had decent special effects. Um, yeah. It was a, what Steven Dorff and, uh, and mm -hmm. Wesley Snipes in the first one. And, uh, and then Ron Perlman made his way into the second one. And like in, and then the third one was just like one big blockbuster blowout. So uh, definitely ramped up over time. Uh, enjoyed those movies uh, as far as action goes quite a bit. And uh, so, yeah, no, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, you know, the the new Marvel phase has got uh, not just, well, Blade is coming out in phase five, I think, but in phase four, they're also putting X-Men and Fantastic Four back underneath the Disney umbrella. Mm -hmm. So we'll see what they do with those properties because they've been kind of languishing in you know development hell for a little while especially fantastic four um so it will be very interesting to see what you know disney can do with those properties and now that they're kind of back where they're supposed to be i actually don't really don't hate that i think like it is going to be kind of an, an adjustment type of thing right like that's kind of the idea so yeah yeah, it's. I think every, everybody's got to make adjustments. I mean, the entire, the entire idea behind having uh, even uh, Deadpool back underneath the the Disney umbrella. I mean, they're they're going to have to really, you know, flex their muscles to get the movie they want. But uh, right. But yeah, I think I think it it has the potential of being uh, a bigger project and and a better project than what we've seen in the past. Um, that was it's more cohesive and more about the overarching story than it is necessarily kind of like the discombobulated timeline worth of stuff that we've had in the past. So that's the biggest problem is it's supposed to be a universe that flows and it doesn't. Yeah. The, the Fox uh, universe for Marvel is difficult to wrap your head around to say the least uh, with all the different and, and, and Sony for that matter, you know, just trying to, to keep things in context and understand what things affect other things with the, with the actual Disney Marvel team up, you know, that they had, um, or the purchasing of Marvel really, um, they, they kept it all unified and that's how you're able to get what a 25, uh, or 24 film run, you know, uh, over 10 years. So, Anyway, I think I think it's going to be a big deal, and uh, and and I think that for people who are kind of out of the superhero game and really stale on it and everything, that uh, it, it there is some there are some kernels to be excited about in the in the list of stuff that's left. Yeah, definitely, I'm I'm down with that for sure. 
I can't. It'll be interesting to see what their take on it is there, though, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, that's that's really what the question is: is what they what they want to do with the source material. So, right. One trailer I saw this week that I, I'm really kind of stoked about is the beautiful day in the neighborhood. Brandon, what do you think about this? Oh man, uh, I loved it. I mean, the moment that the news broke, and I want to say we covered it in one of our very first episodes that Tom Hanks was going to. Um, basically portray Mr. Rogers, Fred Rogers. Uh, I'm like, dude, you, you can't get a, a more perfect human being to, to do that. Uh, whether it's a famous actor or not. I mean, Tom Hanks is one of the nicest guys in Hollywood. He just doesn't have a mean bone in his body. And for him to really envelop himself into a character, he's proved it time and time again. So, uh, seeing that <laughs> in this trailer, man, like, Hair on the back of my neck stood up. I, I loved it. the The one thing that's interesting is that it's it's really showing him towards the end of his life, and uh, and maybe this is based on a loosely on a true story because I do know an investigator that did meet with him, and I know uh, someone worked on a documentary with him as well, uh, which that documentary did come out pretty recently. I think we all saw that one, um, but the uh, actor who portrays the investigator or the uh, the journalist is uh, Matthew Reese, and he was on The Americans. Uh, really, really good actor. Uh, you know, great guy. Um, so I've seen him do a lot of other small roles, and he's done plays and stuff. But I've been hoping that, you know, with the success of The Americans, that he would really sort of, like, breach into stardom and, and get these really, really big roles that can really have a, a greater impact. And you can kind of see in the trailer that, uh, you know, he meets Fred Rogers and it ends up, you know, kind of changing his life and he's really there for him. So uh, I think this is going to be a very touching movie. I don't think there's going to be a dry eye in the theater. Uh, can't wait to see it. Do we know what when it comes out? Uh, I'll look that up real quick. What do you think about it, Carl? Yeah, I can't agree with everything you just said more. Um, when I was watching the trailer, I was I was moved and it's just a freaking trailer. So I uh, I can't. I can't say uh, enough about how capable Tom Hanks is anyway, but uh, he just seems like such a natural choice for this role that when the casting was announced, I was just like, yeah, that's it. That makes sense. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, right out of the gate. You knew. Yeah. That he was going to crush it. And, uh, and I like the arc they're taking with it. It's almost like they've got like a, a you know, redemption story kind of thing running, you know, parallel to, the uh the waning years of fred rogers life so i don't i don't think they they can do a better setup and uh and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch i mean it like you said everybody's going to be crying by the time this thing is over yeah so the the film comes out november 22nd by the way awesome i don't really recall i remember like the tent poles of mr rogers like you know i remember the fantasy land and all that stuff with the trolley and all that but like I don't really remember like what was happening in the fantasy land. Is this something I need to go back and like watch an episode of just to get well, my head around it? You you should really watch the documentary that came out, uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor? Okay. Uh, that should have won all the fucking awards and for whatever reason it wasn't even nominated. Um that documentary I want to say came out sometime last year. It did, yeah. Uh, yeah, it covers a lot of like the puppets that are there, what the puppets do and evoke and and some puppets were belittled and, you know, so it just kind of, it, it really showed like, you know, uh, people that kind of go through bullying or racism or just how unfair the world is, but looking deep inside and not giving up, you know, that, yeah, that's really I, like a big I, theme of it. I remember it being like inspiring messaging and stuff like that. I watched it as a kid religiously. I just, it's been 30 years since I've seen it. So it's just been a long time since I've you know, really looked into like how it went. I like I said, I just remember the trolley. I remember the puppets kind of vaguely, but that's about it. The trolley always kind of went to different places around the fantasy land, and that's where it would kind of tell its story, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's it's pretty insane that we can look back at, at a kids show all these years later, and we can like kind of be in awe. Yeah. At, just like the the messaging and everything, and uh, of course the movie's you know very timely, and and you know people are kind of at each other's throats and everything. So I think that it's good to uh, hopefully that it's a very unifying and and very you know wholesome message, not unlike his show. So I think uh, it'll be it'll be good. That's the idea. Well, I think my favorite piece of news this week that came out 
is Eddie Murphy getting a stand-up special on Netflix. $70 million. What do you guys think about this? Man, I'm a huge fan of Eddie Murphy. Um, one of the, the first few stand-ups I saw, uh, you know, I guess when I came of age, uh, was his and, and Eddie Murphy Raw. I mean, it's just a it's classic. Incredible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, the guy's great. And the, the thing is, he hasn't done stand-up in a long time. And I don't even know if that's the final number in terms of if this in if this deal is is completely finalized. But it sounds like it's about 90, 95 percent there. But um, but having a series of stand ups and for them to do it, I mean, that's that's uh, that's going to be a win win because I, I was a big fan of the Dave Chappelle one. He got 60 million for all those. And when he originally walked away from the Chappelle show, it was a 60 million contract he walked away from. So good yep. for him. But yeah, Eddie Murphy, one of the funniest guys on the planet. I just, to your point, he hasn't done stand up in a very long time. So it could either go really well because he's just got all this material he's worked out over time and figured out. And, you know, I mean, he's naturally incredibly hilarious or it'll be really rusty, but I, I can't imagine it would be. Well, you can uh, you can see him right now on the new season of car of comedians and cars getting coffee with Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah, I saw that drop the other day. Yeah, yeah, really good. Okay, I'll check that out, and I'll get back to you guys on the show next week. What do you think about this, Carl? Uh, I like you guys in the fact that I definitely have. Uh, yeah, I think my parents actually have like vinyl of him doing stand up, and. Uh, and they used to play that for me along with like Cosby vinyl, which obviously has got Eek. its own issue now. Yeah. Ugh. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, as far as, uh, as far as Eddie Murphy goes, I mean, it's hard, it's hard to beat his, uh, his caliber of comedy, uh, him even in like SNL and stuff like that brought something that nobody else had, which, uh, is very difficult to do right. in a sketch show. So and that's really where I got most of my experience with him was SNL and, and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, coming back from stand up, uh, coming back to stand up can't be the easiest thing to do. I think, uh, that's the reason that you've got places like the laugh factory and stuff like that to just churn out new you know content and see what sticks and what doesn't. But if you haven't been doing that really, and, uh, and you don't have that opportunity, uh, it, I, I think it can be a little damaging, right? Like you could be surrounded by people that are a bunch of yes men that make you think that you're killing it. And then you go out for a $70 million deal in front of everybody at a stadium and just completely dive. So I, but I mean, that he has he, the presence of mind to not do that. He's Eddie Murphy though. He's not going to bomb. Uh, you know, I, you would think not, I think life like everything you know kind of catches up to people so his his kind of humor and his brand of humor has probably taken a different kind of edge to it at this point whether or not that resonates as well with people or not i'm not really sure that's all just hypothetical though but don't you think that like the idea is to get people to watch it and if they watch it that's all that really matters i mean that the intrigue is three quarters of this it's actually a good point you know, the, the butts and seats model of doing business and getting and yet enough people to at least turn it on so that you have those kinds of numbers. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can, I can, I can see that it's, uh, it's the follow-up performances and things like that. I mean, you can't, are they doing 70 million for one hit? Or are they doing a whole series? A series. series yeah, yeah. So you gotta, I, I would think that you, the best course of action for him is to knock it out of the park first time around. And then he can, you know, just, slow walk it just loaf it for the rest of the time which he probably but, won't if he knocks yeah. it out of the park once he'll do it three times you would hope so especially yeah. with that caliber of talent no doubt like the expectation is that he will do that i will definitely give you that yeah and they wouldn't they wouldn't present it any other way i wouldn't think no they have they have the capability of of really you know controlling this and and making it a good product i don't think that netflix would let that slide so for sure all right, well, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap everything up. We want to thank everyone for joining us on the live stream this evening. We want to remind everybody we will be in Colorado August 1st through the 4th, so make sure to check out the YouTube channel. Turn on those notifications. Lots of live stuff that's going to be coming while we're there. Lots of pods for the Outfielder and Sensibly Loud Radio while we're there. We're doing some fun stuff. We want to invite everyone to come out if you're in the Denver area. Feel free to come out to the ballpark on uh, on Saturday night. We're going to be out there out in the rock pile section. 
And we'll be walking around, talking to people, doing some wireless type stuff, talking with different fans. And it's going to be Star Wars night, so it's going to be a lot of fun. So please come out, have some beers with us. We want to, we want you to contribute to the Cup Snake, and we want to meet everybody and, and talk to the the outfielder fans and the Sensible Loud fans. So make sure to check that out. We want to remind everyone to check us out on social media. That is at Sensibly Loud on Facebook and Twitter, as well as Instagram. And we will remind everyone also to give us a call, leave us a message. We want to hear from you guys. We want to hear what you guys have to say. That number is 972-885-9361. And we'll see you guys next week for another edition of Sensibly Loud Radio. Won't you be my neighbor?